Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. It is so good to see you. Thank you, worship team. I'm excited to welcome you today as we continue part two of our series, Family Values. And I'm excited to just give some encouragement today and to, to be able to share this message. I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments. I've got a few things to share with you. The first thing, uh, we're excited for the, our Super Bowl watch party that is uh, going to take place today at 5 o'clock. We invite you to come. Now, I know that some of you ladies may not be into football. Uh, bring your favorite board games. Desiree has all her, her favorite cards, uh, board games ready for, for everyone to come. If you don't feel like cooking, it's okay. Bring a pizza, bring a bucket of chicken. Uh, just bring something. We want to just have some time with you. So I want to say something because this is important for you to know. Uh, we will not always be able to gather like this. I, I believe that we are going, there's not going to be a facility large enough uh, to house a Super Bowl watch party here at Impact City Church in the near future. So it is about establishing a culture of cohesiveness, of inclusiveness, where we all belong, every single one of us belong that we would be able to come together and have just this fellowship that in the future will take place in our small groups, amen, that will take place in our small groups, that you'll have watch parties because uh, we will outgrow the, this place. So it is important for us to come, come enjoy one of the last watch parties at Impact City Church that we will host together as a family because, like I said, in the future we will host these in our small groups. We're excited for you to join us today. I'm excited that the youth, we had our very first youth motion night, and we had a great time. We had over 30 youth with us, and we are excited to continue and build off that momentum. We're excited to build off that momentum. So what I want to do is I want all the youth parents, 6th through 12th grade parents, to meet me in the side lobby right here, right after service for a seven-minute meeting where we will be able to discuss next steps and what is going to take place uh, and the plan for your youth moving forward. I'm also excited that all our 18-plus, where are our 18-plus right here? Anybody? Here we go, uh, Urbe and Annette Uranga, we're excited that they will be kicking off the young adult college age ministry. They will meet this Wednesday at 7 p.m. in the cafe. We're excited for what God is going to do for them as we provide this targeted uh, uh, support to the different ages of our youth. Amen? All right, we're in part two of our series called Family Values, and I pray that as we go through today's message that, that is with a keen focus on building healthy marriages. We talked about building a family that lasts last Sunday. But if you're not married, I want you to know that uh, this would be, I pray that this would be a foundational message, that there would be some seeds that would be planted that, that could create a harvest of righteousness in a marriage in the future, or that you would just be able to build some relationships in some way. You may be able to take this message and put it in the refrigerator. You may take this message and bless somebody else with it, but I promise you there's something for everybody. This could be applied to your children. This could, some, some of the practical points that I want to share with you could be applied to your friendships and such like that. But I'm going to speak directly and specifically to marriages because um, that is the topic today. And I want to start off with the Word of God in Genesis chapter 2. The context, we understand that in the beginning God created the world. He created man and he said it's not good, amen, for man to be alone. If you've ever been around a man who is alone for too long, 
you know we can get in trouble. You know we can get in trouble. We need some help. So God brought him a suitable helper, a helpmate. This is what is in Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. The Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, and the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, and they become united. They become one flesh. So the title for today's message is Hope for Hurting Marriages. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit, by the power of your living word, would bring hope for hurting marriages, God, that you would plant seeds that would impact all our relationships at all different levels and that we would glorify you in all that we do. I thank you because none of us in this place are too far gone where you can't bring us back. I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. I'm curious, how many of you have ever made a fool out of yourself for love? Nobody wants to raise their hand. Anybody ever done that? I hope so. I hope so at one point. I see one hand over here. It's really fun when, you, when you're in such love and you do some extraordinary things. Your mind is probably going to some of those moments right now. When you think about that, that one particular instance, there's probably some time every single one of us have gone through that at one instance or the other, and you have your own version, whether you spent too much money on something that you shouldn't have or whether you stayed out way too late and drove all the way across town or maybe even the state to see him or her and, you know, the famous, you'd sit on the phone and say, I'm not going to hang up, you hang up. (laughs) No, no, you hang up. And then you would just sit there and breathe. Not say anything for hours. And then one day, years later, you wake up and you go, where did the romance go? Where did the romance go? Where's the passion? Where's the intimacy? Where's the fire? What happened along the way between that starting point and where we're at now? What I can promise you is somewhere along the way, you stop pursuing one another. You stop chasing after one another because there was a time where you pursued. There was a time where you made an effort. There was a time where you invested. There was a time where you gave of yourself and you were intentional. And somewhere along the way, you, you got relationally lazy. So I want us to consider this as we dive into this today. Is there any other area of your life? Think about that for just a few moments. Is there any other area of your life that, can consistent, that you can consistently be lazy and see improvement? The answer is no. If, it, if in your physical body, if you don't take care of it and eat anything you want, you know, the four basic food groups, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Whataburger, and Chick-fil-A, after a while, your body will not be what it could be. In your business, if you don't crush, crunch the numbers, if you don't guard the culture, if you don't cast the vision, will your business be what it could be over time? Ask yourself that. The answer is no. If you get lazy in any area of your life, it will struggle. The same with your yard. If you don't take care of your yard, if you don't fertilize it, if you don't oversee it, if you don't water it, you will not win yard of the month. 
your neighbors will eventually whisper behind your back because you didn't take care of your yard. And what's funny in marriage is that a lot of the times we look at somebody else's marital yard and their grass looks greener. And if the grass looks greener somewhere else, guess what? It is time for us to water our own yard. It's time for us to fertilize and invest in our own yard. Some of you in your marriage right now, it's time to water it, and it's time to nurture it, and it's time to put some attention to it. But, but some of you may say, we just don't love each other anymore. We just don't know if we can go on. I just don't know if I can get past this moment. We're just going to give up. I'll put it this way to you. To end things because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. If your car runs out of gas, what do you do? You go to the gas station and you refill the tank. If your marriage is running out of love today, if there's a relationship that is running out of love, it is time to refill that love tank. And we can do that today. So I want to talk to you about that today. And I want to go back to an unusual verse to do that. It's the verse that we considered in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Our opening text that said, this is why a man leaves his father and mother. And here's our key word. I pointed it out earlier, but I want to do it again, that they become united. They become together. They, they become one the two shall become one flesh is what the Bible says. Now, a lot of the times what we look at as a moment of being united, we, we tend to think of it as being a one-time instance. But really, in reality, it is something that's recurring, that is just going on. Because Hebrew words, when we look at the original text, are often like little stories that are found in that one particular word. That there's so much more meaning to that one word. And it's hard to translate the Hebrew word into one or two words. So when we look at this word united, it comes from the root word debak. And this word in its meaning means to cling or to adhere, like what we've talked about united. But it also means to catch by pursuit and to pursue hard with affection, to pursue hard with devotion. It means to pursue hard. And I'm going to show you two different scriptures and where this word debak is used. From, the, from today's Living Bible in Psalm 63.8, debak is translated, follow close. It says, I follow close behind you. That's a stalker's favorite memory verse. Follow close behind you. The King James Version translates debauch as pursued hard. We see this in Judges chapter 20 and verse 45 where it says they pursued hard after them. Why is it, then the question is, why is it that we had something special at one point? For years you pursued each other. For years you chased after each other. And why is it that we don't have the special what, that, that thing once again today. Maybe you've gotten lazy. And maybe you've taken each other for granted. And stop pursuing the one that God gave you. One of my favorite stories from the Bible of pursuit is found in the Old Testament. It is, and it is about a man named Jacob. Amen. A man named Jacob. And the Bible tells us that he fell in love with this girl named Rachel. And he went to her father Laban and he said this. Hey, could I marry your daughter? And he said, well, you're going to have to work for me. I need you to work for seven years for me before I give you my, my daughter. Jacob says, that's no, that's no problem. It's worth it. I'm, I'm in. I am here to work for her. And for seven years, he worked for her 
time, day after day. He loved her so much. And the Bible says, the scripture says that, that time passed like it was a day. What Jacob didn't realize is that Rachel had an older sister, and her name was Leah. And what, what's interesting in the Bible that it says this, that Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful, and Leah had weak eyes. In the Hebrew, what that means is that Rachel was a looker and Leah had a great personality. <laughs> That's what that means in the Hebrew. And it's interesting that Jacob worked for seven years, didn't complain because he was ready to marry Rachel. He was ready to invest. He was ready to give of himself for this woman. But then the father came and said to him, after this time in our culture, hey, you have to marry the, the oldest daughter first. So you have Leah. And, and Jacob said, no, 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 no. I, I didn't. I, I wanted to marry the other one, the other one. And the dad said, okay, well, you're going to have to work for seven more years. Now, I always thought for years um, in, in hearing this scripture that Jacob had to work a total of 14 years before he was able to marry Rachel. But, but that's not the case. At the end of the seven years, that didn't happen. What happened was when the dad said, you're going to have to work for Rachel, he gave her Rachel. I'll give her to you now, but you're going to have to work another seven years for her which is beautiful for us to recognize this morning that Jacob continued to work for his bride after he already had her. He continued to work for her after he already had her. It's a great illustration for so many of us in this place today because a lot of us will do all kinds of crazy and ridiculous stuff to get the person, but then once we have the person, we get relaxed and we stop pursuing, we stop working, and what I know about you today, I may not know all the details of everything going on in your life, but I do know this of you, that you want the best for yourself, amen? You want the absolute best for yourself. Nobody Nobody says my goal is to be married for five years and then separate. Or nobody says that my goal is to betray her trust or, or to get addicted to pornography or to fight about money. Nobody says that. You're good about your intentions, but a lot of the times our good intentions don't match up with our actions. And so if it's okay with you, what I want to do is just get really, really practical this morning with you. And I want to give you some scriptural suggestions that you will be able to apply to your marriage, that you'll be able to apply to friendships, that you'll be able to apply to some relationship and add value. So there's three specific thoughts that I want to share with you today to close the gap between intentions because we all want to do good things. I all, we all want to lose some weight, but are, are our actions lining up with that? We all want to be a better husband. I want to be a better husband, but are my actions lining up with that? So we're going to talk about closing the gap this morning. All right. Are you ready? All right. Are you ready? Thought number one is this. Rule number one, if we're going to apply to our marriages and our relationships, is this. When you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it. So when you think something good, what are you going to do? You're going to say it. Every time you think of something good, something positive, something affirmative, something loving, something special about your spouse, about your children, about some friends, about the people that you work with, you're going to give life to it and you're going to speak it. You're going to vocalize it. Amen. Why would you ever 
in your marriage, think something good about your spouse and keep it to yourself? Why would you ever think something good about a friend and keep it to yourself and rob them the blessing of knowing that thought by just keeping it to yourself? So when you think something good, set it free. Say it, text it, write it. Let them know the blessing. The author to the Hebrews said this in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another. And it says, how often? Every single day, as long as it's called today, the verse goes on to say, so that your heart is not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So how different do you think your marriage relationship would be if every single day, without fail, there would be some form of encouragement building each other up along the way, building each other up, helping each other up along the way. So for just a few moments, I want to talk to the men and women in just a slightly different way because generally speaking, these are, these are some things that are just applied to us uniquely, and, and there's some different approaches that we can work on. They can make a big difference. So I'm going to start with the men. Men, we, are, we should pursue her with your words. So what I want to encourage you to do is pursue your spouse with words of affection. And when I'm talking about words of affection, I'm talking about words that just let her know how special she is to you. Pursue her with words of, of affection. And gentlemen, I'm going to give you just a simple tool. And when I tell you it's simple, it is simple, and it's a game changer for your relationship. If you could just learn to apply this, because I have to close the gap. I'm starting with myself to close the gap between my intentions and my actions. So when I think of something good, I'm going to say it. And it's, real, it's a real simple tool to just share with your bride, just to tell her, I love you. But not just, I love you. I love you because. I love you because. You add the word. You fill in the blank. Add the word, I love you because you're an incredible helpmate. I love you because your maturity balances our relationship. I love you because you're always looking out for me and looking out for our children. I love you because when I see you, I know that you genuinely care about me and I know that you have my best interest in mind. It's that simple. I love you because. So think of that. Not just I love you, but I love you because, and do that consistently. What if you did that every day? It's a very simple tool. So now, ladies, what I want to encourage you to do is pursue him with words of affirmation. So we pursue you with words of affection. You pursue us with words of affirmation because guys are wired a little bit different. Just a little bit. We act cool and confident. We act like if we have it all under control, but the truth is, we're all a little insecure. A lot of the times we're really insecure. And what I have found out about men, and I know this is true for me, is that I am often becoming what Desiree sees in me. And when she might pick apart something in me, and when she might point something out, tell me what's wrong, what it can do, it weakens my confidence. And it increases my insecurity. But when she builds me up, I tend to become more of what she wants. Now, a big complaint that a lot of women say is, my husband is not a spiritual leader. I want a spiritual leader. And what I just want to tell you is, what you see as a spiritual leader may not really be a clear definition of what your husband can lead in spiritually. So let me, let me tell you, what does that mean? Because chances are pretty good that he's not going to lead your three-year-old daughter uh, in, in an hour-long Bible study. 
Chances are that. We have to understand that. But if he does anything spiritual, if he does anything spiritual, it is important for us to recognize that and to be able to point that out. Don't tell him you're not a spiritual leader. If he does anything remotely spiritual, you celebrate it. You applaud it. You embrace it. If he just says, let's go to church, that is spiritually leading. And women, you just say, I love it when you say, let's go to church. I just love the way that sounds coming out of your, out of your mouth. And you build him up. If, if you're like saying today, I wish he'd pray with me. I wish he'd pray more. And he doesn't pray ever. But he prays once a year over the Thanksgiving meal. And he prays over that meal. And it may not even be a good prayer. It may be a bad prayer. Kind of embarrassing, but he prayed. You may be, he may be like, God, thank you for the turkey. And thank you for our three little turkeys. Amen. Okay, what you don't say, you don't tell him that was a bad prayer. What you do is you pull him aside when nobody's looking and you lean in and say, when you prayed that prayer, I felt so close to God and now I want to be close to you. Really what you're doing is you're pursuing him with words of affirmation because when we need it, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you. I promise you that that prayer next Thanksgiving will be so much, you'll see so much more growth because you are building him up. And I am believing here today that men, as we pursue you with words of affection, and women, as you pursue the men with words of affirmation, our, our marriages are going to grow and they're going to flourish and they're going to be blessed because we are there to tend and care for one another. And I want to tell you in the world that we live in today, when the enemy is attacking families and attacking marriages. We need to stand together and say, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemy. I'm not going to give him a seat at the table. I am going to make sure that I do everything to fail-proof my marriage. When I get through preaching, I lean over and I just, oftentimes I'll tell her, give me something. Tell me I did good. Tell me I was funny. Tell me I look good. Tell me something. I need to know that she believes in me. I just need to know that the person that, be, that knows me best believes in me the most. And some of you may say, well, my husband is really hard to believe in right now. And I just want to acknowledge that because some of us in this place, in both ways, you're in a tough relationship. But what I've found is that if you'll encourage what you like rather than pointing out what you don't like, it will, it will change the dynamic of your relationship. If you point out what you don't like, you tend to bring it down. Pursue with words of affirmation and with words of affection, and we can make a lot of progress in our relationships. So the first thing we're going to do is when you think something good, you're going to say it. The second thing that we're going to do is this. Whenever you think something special, we're going to do it. Whatever you think of something special, you're going to do it. James was really clear in James 4, 17. It says, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Can I just get in your business today and say, why don't you stop sinning with just good intentions and close the gap and do what's in your heart to be a blessing to your spouse, to your friend, to that special relationship? What have you thought about? 
when you think about it, do it. Think about coming home early to surprise him or her, do it. You think about picking up a picnic lunch and going out on the middle of a Saturday, do it. Just go ahead and do it. When you think about something, do it. Use a calendar. It's called scheduling. It's a very practical way to remember to be able to close the gap, once again, between intentions and between actions and actually do it. Send flowers, send chocolates, go on a date. So don't just think something good, but actually do that. And, as, and so that you might then be able to see the true results of it. So maybe it means watch the Hallmark Channel with, with your wife because she likes the Hallmark Channel. Or watch the Hallmark Channel with your husband because he likes the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> go, on a, go on a ride in the golf cart because he likes to be on the golf course. Or there may be times where you prioritize your intimacy. Whatever that may be, it can be anything, but put it on the calendar. Come on, somebody, we have to be intentional, amen? We have to be intentional. So if we think something good, we're going to say it. And if we think of something special, we are going to do it. And the last one is this. If you want something different, be it. If you want something different, we're going to be it. Often, there are other couples who are pointing to the other person as the, always the problem. Until you get it together, we're, our marriage will be better. You have to get it together. I wish he was this. Or I wish she was this. I wish he was more adventurous. I wish she was more fun. I wish he was more attentive. I wish he was less distracted. I wish he was more romantic. I wish he was less critical. Whatever it would be, they always just point the finger. What, if, what I would what encourage you to do today is be the best that you can be. I'm building you up today. Be the best that you can be. Stop griping about what's wrong with your spouse and let the Holy Spirit continue to work in him or her to be able to grow into what you're supposed to be. You become something different. You be the change. Let God work on him. Let God work on her. But you become something different because I have found this to be true that every time I'm looking at Desiree and I'm saying I wish something was different, there are three things that I need to change within me me. I wish I need to change. And, and those, are, those are things that we are quick to point out, the faults in others, without noticing the faults in ourselves. So gentlemen, I want to talk to you for a moment. What I want to say to the men is this, let's get up our, our tails and let's lead our families. Let's lead. Lead your family toward Jesus. That doesn't, ma- that doesn't mean you have to have a three-hour Bible study. It simply means that we're people of church, that, that when we get up on Sunday morning, we're going to go to church, that there's not anything more important happening on Saturday night that takes the place of me coming to church, that we're people of going of church, meaning we're going to go to church. We don't go to church whenever we're not busy on the weekend, or we don't just not go to church when there's a big game on. No, we are people of God. We're people of church, so we go to church. You might say, we're going to be in a small group. And you might tell your family, we're going to be in a small group, and we're, we're excited to launch small groups for youth. So there's groups for men, women, there's going to be groups for youth, there's groups for everybody. Because the truth is, I don't know how in the world we can thrive spiritually with the satanic forces of darkness coming against us, pushing against families today. We need each other. We need each other. 
Small groups, small groups is not a program for our church. It's a necessity for spiritual vibrancy in our families. We lead them to serve. We might serve together as families. We might join them together as families. We come to be a part of the dream team and be able to serve with our children, to serve with our spouse. Because the beautiful thing is that we need each other and we have each other. So let's take advantage of what God has placed in our surroundings. The beautiful thing about the way God wired women is biologically, emotionally, women are multipliers. If the worship team will join me, meaning they give life, meaning they give life, they, they multiply. What you give them, they will multiply. You give them love and they multiply, they will give you children. You give them tenderness, they will multiply. You give them affection, they will multiply. You give them loyalty and they will multiply. They give you love back in a way that no man deserves, they multiply. You give them good, love, you give them honor, they multiply. So what I want to say to everybody is this. Since we all in one way or another tend to multiply, because think of it, you smile at somebody and they smile back. Someone smiles at you, you smile back. We tend to multiply what has been given to us. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you have been giving. This applies to every area of our lives. If you don't like what you've been getting, what you have been investing, look at what you've been giving. I can't expect to reap something that I'm not so. What I put into the ground will ultimately come back. I can sow apples and I will get apples. What I sow, I will get. So look at what you've been getting. And look at what you've been giving. So you, you only know the, the conditions and the circumstances. But what I promise you today, that if your marriage or a relationship is struggling at this point, there was some time that you had something special, didn't you? There was some reason why you bought the ring. There was some reason why you said yes. There was some reason why you planned the wedding. There was some reason, there was something going on. What I can promise you is that there was something that you were doing then that I guarantee you that you're not doing now. So if you think of something good, you say it. If you think of something special, let's do it. Don't hesitate. And if you want something different, you be it. Be the change. And one simple thought to remember is this. If you had something special before and you want it again, to get, once, to get what you once had, you have to do what you once did. Just go do the same stuff you used to. Say it. I love you because... Do it. Get involved. Stop thinking about it and act on it. And if you want something different, rather than pointing all the time and saying, you have, to, you have to change. It's your fault. Why don't we change ourselves? Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in a completely different context, admittedly, but he said this to them. And he said to them, remember the height from which you have fallen. And he told them to repent and do the things that you did 
at first. Some of you can hear that from a spiritual standpoint because some of us in this place have a disconnect in our relationship with God. And that relationship is something that we need to work on and strengthen and we need to do our part. Just remember where you were with God before and what you did then, what you're doing now. And the Bible says this, to repent. That means to turn the other direction and to go in opposite way and do what, what you once did. In your marriage, if you could apply the same principle that Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus and if you could apply it loosely, if you had something special before, I promise you, with the help of God, with the grace of God, there is no marriage that is too far gone. There is no relationship that is too far gone that the power of Jesus cannot heal. To get what you once had, you got to do what you once did. Remember what you had, and the Bible says repent and do things the way you did at first. There are those of you in this moment, you could be here right now, you could be watching online, because God is about to do a miracle in your heart. God is about to do a miracle in your heart. And years from now, you can look back at February 13th, 2022, and say, because of the work of God that he did in my heart, through my church home, we have a spiritual legacy that is different. We have a spiritual legacy that is different. And, we, and the, the Bible says the two will become united. So remember this, pursuing hard, chasing hard, clinging to one another. What God joins together, let no one separate to the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, today we ask you for hope and for healing. For hurting marriages, for hurting relationships, for estranged relationships right now, for any that are struggling, God, may your grace, may your power, may your spirit right now renew us. God, help us to pursue one another in the same way that you pursued us and came after us. I'm so thankful today for the parable. If there is 100 sheep and one gets away, the good shepherd pursues the one. God, there's some of us in our relationship with you that we have just gone astray, God. God, I thank you that you are pursuing us, that you are chasing us, that you're coming after us. God, I thank you that because even though I haven't prayed the way I used to pray, that I haven't praised the way I used to praise, that I haven't lived for you the way I used to live, that you love me enough to come after me today. The Spirit of God is pursuing you this morning. He's coming after you. In this building and online, some of you, no, you're, you're not in a relationship with God right now. But you're being drawn to God. What is that? That is the Holy Spirit of God that is loving you toward Him. What do you need to know? That we've all sinned. That we've all felt guilty. That we've all fallen short. But because of the grace of Jesus, He is perfect. Amen. He shed His blood. He died and He rose again so that anyone who calls on His name would be forgiven. Though There are those of you right now. You're the one. You're the one that God is pursuing. He wants you to say yes to him. You feel far from him. You feel so distanced. You don't know where you stand with him. You feel guilty for your sin. You feel bad. But you can call on the name of Jesus today and everything can change. God hears your prayers. He forgives your sins. And if you're here today, you're about to become brand new. So with every eye closed, those who say yes, I need his grace. Those who say, yes, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. 
but I'm gonna turn from my old life right now and I'm turning toward Jesus. If that is you today, if that's your prayer, with every eye closed, would you lift your hands high right now and say yes. Just lift them high and say, yes, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Online, you can just type it in the chat, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I would love for all of us in this place to pray this prayer together. Pray with me, Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. Thank you for the new life. You have mine. In Jesus' name, amen. The angels in heaven rejoice and the people of God rejoice. Would all of us in this place thank God and welcome those that were born again today into the family of God. Could we give God some praise in this place?